doesn't say slide into first base. He said, I'm going to carry you home. I'm going to carry you home. Come on. Can somebody say amen? The highest reward we get in life is not what happens to us. It's what we become. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Praise the Lord. Let's give him praise in the house of God this morning, would you? You can be seated. I appreciate our worship team. I want them to stay for just a moment, if they would, because I want us to pray. I want us to pray. And and Bill, would you play that Good, Good Father song again, please? I feel like I really have to address what has been going on in America the last little while. I've been praying, and, and I know most of you have been praying. But I want to look at it for what it is, folks. This is not a Democrat problem or Republican problem. This is not a independent or whatever you might be problem. This is not a Confederate Union problem. This is not a red, yellow, brown, black, white problem. This is a sin problem. Now, I know all these other things that I just mentioned are at the forefront, and we're all looking to blame this, that, or the other thing. But can I tell you, if you're a Christian, you have one responsibility, and that's not to push blame. It is to accept responsibility and say, God, your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing is going to change the tumult that is happening in the world except God and that's not going to happen if you and I jump into this thing folks there's churches across the country that are just politicized this side against that side this color against that color this this uh, political party against folks we're Christians if the world gets any help, it's from us. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, the woulda, shoulda, could. If they hadn't done this, can I tell you something? 
I serve a God that is more powerful than anything. Where I was born, how I was born, what I am, who I am. Either God is a part of that or take the name Christian away. Folks, I I watch I watch all the Facebook stuff. I watch all the stuff that churches post. And I sit back and think, come on, folks. Because the minute we enter into this thing outside of a Christ-likeness, we lose. And everyone around us loses. You know why? We're the only hope they have. Christ in us is the only hope they have. So let's get off the soapboxes and let's, you know, let's let's start saying, God, if my people, do you notice he didn't say if the people of the world? And I, I, I'm interested in looking at it. And he said, if they would turn from their wicked ways. He's not talking about the world. What do sinners do? They sin. What are Christians supposed to do? We're supposed to be above that. Menagerie of mess. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and Pray and turn. Pray and turn. You know from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is full of those two terms. Pray and turn. Pray and turn. And then God says, if the church, if the Christian would turn from their wicked way, what wicked way? That we would get in the minutiae. I'm not trying to be offensive or anything. I'm just trying to be Bible. Then God said, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I will heal the land. The only hope America has, Jesus. The only, way, the only hope the church has, Jesus. Second Timothy, or First Timothy, says that before that great and dreadful day, there's going to be a great falling away in the church all of this stuff that's happening folks it's all strategies of hell to steal, kill, destroy Jesus is the author of life abundant life as a matter of fact there's not two sides there's God's side and that's it are you with me this morning? so I want us to pray he is a good, good father. I want you to get up out of your chair, and I want everybody to join together. The Bible says there's power in agreement. I want everyone to join hands. Hop off the drums real quick, if you would, Victor, get over here and join him. I don't want a broken chain anywhere. I want all of us to be touching someone. 
Because the Bible says wherever two or more agree on earth as touching anything, first and foremost, he's there, wherever two or more are gathered. The second thing, he said, I'll meet you. He said, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Flagstaff, I don't know if you've been watching around here, folks. Very divided. If the church doesn't do what the church is supposed to do, do we expect the world to change? We're the only hope they got. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I don't have this prayer written down. I don't have it, you know, articulated out verbiage of any kind, I'm going to pray from my heart. Just words. And I want you to hear them, but I want you to pray your own words, because each one of you have a battalion of people that you're connected to that desperately need your common sense word of God approach. They need you. They need us more than ever. Let's pray. Father, God, I I truly don't know what's going on. God, I know everybody's blaming everybody because we live in that victim society. And a victim society can't take responsibility. All it can do is blame this group against that group. God, you you know your time clock. Your son doesn't know. The angels don't know. None of us know. But God, it sure looks like that time is running quickly out. God, the world needs Jesus. But Lord, if they don't see him in us, about two things. They'll never see him. And if they don't see him in us, it's because we don't have him. Help us, God, not to get caught up in the fray. Help us, Lord. God, not to worry about these lives those lives let's focus on all lives because Jesus that's what you died for all lives and Lord you are the only one that can set people free somehow open the eyes of their understandings that they might see open our eyes God that we might see God that we might know the words to say. God, when the things come up, which they do, and they will, and they will continue, help us, Lord, to be a bucket of water in the world that people are continually throwing buckets of gasoline on. Help us, Lord, to douse the fire with the anointing of the water of your word. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. You can go back to your seats. You can be seated. 
We're going to sing through this song a little bit, just a few lines of it. And I want to get into today's message. But folks, please, 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 please hear your pastor's heart. Do not get caught up in this stuff. You sit around the cooler at work, I don't care what they're saying. You mind what you're saying. And make sure what you're saying is what he's saying. And, yeah, well, that's going to get people upset. Who gives? Whatever. I stopped. I stopped. Pastor Philemon's looking at me, just shaking his head. I stopped. Because, folks, they need what we have. They desperately need it. So please, please, for their sake, to a lot of the world, you're the only Jesus they're ever going to see. Okay? Don't get caught up in this stuff. Don't get caught up in this stuff.
I don't mean to interrupt it, folks, but these words are what are making the difference. It's love so undeniable. And because of that love, I walk in this peace that's so unexplainable. I can have peace in the midst of the problem. You can have peace in the midst of the problem. But it's a decision. It's a decision. Well, you don't understand. Folks, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you can use that lame excuse you don't understand. And I say it very purposely, please, I'm not trying to be offensive, but if you're a Christian, you can't say you don't understand. Why? He's the one that made you. You were born as you're born. You were, you lived where you lived. You were raised, you were raised. And God didn't change his mind on you, did he? He still loves you. Are you okay? I can walk in that peace because I know he is the peace that passes all understanding. So let's sing about this. And then we'll go into the fact that he's called us to a deeper relationship. That peace. our worship team. You can be seated. Thank you so much. We just, we really, we need to take these times and make sure we control them and they don't control us. Make sure they control, we control them and they don't control us. We're the solution, not the problem. And you don't need to be part of the problem. You need to be part of the solution. Are you all okay out there? We've got a little video we're going to show in just a moment. Before we do, I want to talk about Irving Roth coming September 10th. Uh, there's, a, there's a few Holocaust survivors, people that actually lived through the Holocaust. And there's actually a great move 
that is happening, sadly, in America, that they're trying to deny the Holocaust. There's a great move around the world. They're trying to deny the Holocaust. Wednesday night, I, I made reference that it was... Uh, uh, I come I got a mind blank on the president during, the, during World War II. Who? Roosevelt, thank you. When all of the Holocaust was happening, he made a declaration. He said, write this down. Take pictures. Because the day is coming, they're going to try to deny it. Folks, I don't know. I don't know Roosevelt's political preference. Don't care. I don't know his religious. All I know is God spoke through him. Said, have him write this down. Because they will try to deny that it happened. And we have a privilege here in just a couple weeks, two, three weeks. We're doing a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. We're doing a Sunday night because we're hoping to have a lot of our Jewish families come. Uh, they won't come on a Sunday morning because they don't believe that, you know, Sunday morning has any any precedence. They uh, celebrate on uh, the Sabbath, Saturday. And so they'll be, hopefully, Sunday night be with us. So they can hear this testimony because, sadly, a lot of the, the liberal Jews, even though they went through it, there's even denial there. It's, it's amazing what Satan will do to destroy what God wants to do. So Sunday morning, uh, 10, 10 o'clock, and Sunday night, 6.30, uh, Irving Roth is going to be with us. And, and uh, you want to see his tattoo? He'll roll the sleeves up and show them to you. But it's going to be an interesting, probably heart-wrenching testimony of a man that lived through. He went in at 13 and uh, just watched family die, watched uh, horrific things. And so it's going to be a great, great time for you to be here just to understand, understand our history, understand uh, the world's history, understand, you know, just understand what the devil tried to do, what God wants to do. Uh, we have on a different note, starting on September 17th, we have a a tremendous opportunity for you to get a hold on one of the most critical things. I spent three weeks teaching here on finances. Finances isn't the, isn't the greatest thing in the church to teach on because people say, well, that's all the preacher wants is your money. Folks, I, yeah, I'm one of those pastors. Yeah, you, you need to do what God said to do. But it's between you and God. It's between you and God. Uh, we wonder why we're in some of the mess we're in. You better ask God what you're doing with your money, okay? See, it's, it, that 10% is always an issue to people, but God said you can't even live with the 90%. Uh, you need to go out to our podcast and listen to the last three sermons that I taught. It, it was just, I thought they were very good. I thought they were very uh, well set forth for us to understand. Well, on the 17th, we have a uh, you, we have an opportunity for you to be a part of a class that has is, is been worldwide and does extraordinarily well in helping people get a hold of their finances. And that's because it is based on and works through God's principles. So watch the video real quick, if you would, please. What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's ways? You work 
too hard to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it. I'm not going to live like this anymore. class a couple times a year and it's something the church doesn't charge for it there is a a fee that the ramsey organization charges just for the materials and then you're a life member if you've gone through it before and you want to refresh yourself sign up uh see uh, who's going to be out beth you're going to be out there see beth vince somebody else will be out as to my right your left as you leave sign up and they'll give you all the information that uh, you could be a part of this. It's going to be an awesome, awesome opportunity uh, to take care of our, our resources. Second thing that I want to talk about, how many love our kids? Oh, I'm putting you on the spot right now. If you don't raise your hand, you're just a sadist. How many love our kids? Lift your hand up, would you? How many love babies? You got to love Babies. One of our ministries that really is suffering right now is our nursery. Now, I know we got some of the best preaching in town. Got three people saying amen. This is not, this is serious. And everybody, you know, I want to be, I want to be in church. I want to be in church. Folks, you, you can do it. You can do podcast. You can do all that stuff. We need people to get involved in our nursery. Uh, is Savannah in here? She's in a nursery. Savannah is our leader. And she is in nursery every Sunday. You know why? We need people. People say they'll be there, but they just don't show up. I don't understand those things in the first place. But Wednesday nights, Sophie. I asked them the other day, I had a, an opportunity to be with Bill and Sophie and Savannah, and, and we had a, 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 just a great visit and stuff. And, and I asked Sophie and Bill, I said, you guys used to come to Wednesday night. Why aren't you in Wednesday night? I'm in nursery every Wednesday night. Why are you in nursery every Wednesday night? Because nobody else will come and show up. Church, I know what the church world has taught us that it's all paid staff positions. It's all people that are in this, that, or the other uh, uh, ministry scenarios are supposed to take care of it, and we're supposed to be served. The problem is they're teaching a false gospel because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches we're supposed to be the servants. Everyone in the church. And until we're serving... We're really not doing what God called us to do. I'd love to just come to church on Sunday morning. Every once in a while, I have Pastor Philemon preach, Pastor Ray preach, and I just sit out there and do nothing. <laughs> Except I got a half a dozen people that talk to me before service, a half a dozen people talk to me after service, but I still do nothing. I mean, the pastor doesn't do anything, and he gets paid good for it, right? The reality, folks, is our nursery needs. It needs. 
you to be a part of it. And so I, I would ask you, who, who do I point out, Sophie? This, can I point out you? Or so, Savannah, because she's back there, right? Well, you don't have to get her. Yeah, go get her. Go get Savannah for me. Go get Savannah for me. Because you're going to have to go in there and replace her at the end so she can be in here. Now, I'm, I'm spending a little bit of time on this because this shouldn't be in the church of Jesus Christ. This should not be in the church. Yes, Tandy. Savannah. Get up here. You see this little girl here? She runs the entire nursery and the preschool. And she does an incredible job. But she needs some people that are not quite her age. She's one of the young. The Bible says, forsake not the youth. And she, she said, Pastor, can I? I love the babies. I love the kids. Can I do this? And so we did it and said, sure, we'll give it a try. And she's done incredible. But she needs you. So I want you to see this face. You see that face? If all you, well, I'm just coming to church on Sunday morning. Why don't you come be the church? Get yourself involved. Savannah, what can I do? So after service, she's going to be up here, here in the front, and I need you to come see her. So you got to make sure mom takes over back there and you come up here. Come see her. And let's get a part of it. Thank you. What they try to do is they try to get it to where you're in the ministry once a month. You serve once a month. You serve once a month. So please, please let's be a part of that. Different things in the church also, but we need to, uh, we need to do that. This morning, quickly in your notes, he stepped out of time, out of eternity rather, into time for us. This is going to be one of those really, hopefully, short sermons. This is also going to be one of those just, just kind of a shot in the arm to help us remind us. Because as I was talking about in this, in this, this chaotic world we live in, one of the things that roots this is self-value. Self-value. There's a lot of people that don't have a value on themselves because they're looking for their value everywhere else. That's why a lot of the stuff that's happening is happening is because we don't have a self-assurance of who we are. And the sad reality is that's in the Christian community always, also. You and I are of much more value than anything. And there's a truth, and I have it on the screen. If we will begin to look at ourselves as who we are in Christ. We will never again have to try to prove ourselves 
to others who we are in ourselves. Folks, this, this is a great detriment. And the Word of God says this is what it's going to be. This is the, well, the end of time, the time before the Lord's return. This is what it's going to digress to. The whole matriculation from creation to now. It's because we have this self-worth problem. And it's just exacerbated by the media, by the press, by the schools, by people, dads, moms, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. They don't propagate a value that we have in ourselves because, ladies and gentlemen, our value is in Christ and is Christ in us. Can I, can I encourage you for a few minutes this morning? Here's some truths that I found in God's Word. And they're on the screen. For you. For you. He stepped out of eternity into time. Think about that. For you. The Bible says God so loved the world that He gave. Not to condemn, but to save. That's how much you're worth. He stepped out of eternity, took on the form of a servant. Isaiah tells us these words in the seventh chapter. Emmanuel, God with us. God became a man that he could show us how to live for God. For you, the Bible says he made himself a little lower than the angels. And I love the way the Hebrew writer, which is, is just articulating what David wrote, what is man that you even care about him? Have you ever had that prayer on a, on a, a morning time or an evening time or just in any time? And you prayed and just said, God, gosh, I'm a messed up mess. And you cared enough for me to step out of eternity just for me? I don't know what that does to you folks, but that, that, that sends my humdinger up high. That makes me feel like something. Now, I know you might not think I'm all that in a bag of chips, but he does. Even when I preach bad, which I know never happens. Hensley, shout it out, man. Thank you. Th think about it for a second. He thinks you're all that in a bag of chips. Say, Pastor, what that mean? I, said, I don't know what it means. It just sounds good. For you, he tasted death. Now, now think about that for a second. Tasted death. The Hebrew writer says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he tasted death. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, when you look at the big, the big picture, the whole package, the Bible says he descended into the depths of the earth. 
When he tasted death, you know what that meant, Will? He tasted what it would be like to be separated from his father, which happens if you die without Christ. You're separated from God for all eternity. When Jesus was on Calvary and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is where most Bible scholars believe that the father turned his back on his son. You say, why would God turn his back? Because the Bible says that God cannot look on sin. The only way he looks at your life and mine is through the blood of Jesus. The only way he looks at your life and mine is through the blood of Jesus. And the father turned his back. Why? Because at that moment, he placed all the sin of mankind, your sin, my sin, on his back. He tasted what it would be like to spend an eternity without the father. And he said, Dad, I don't want them to go through this. I want to make a way where there seems to be no way. And can I tell you something? While he, as the Bible says, descended into the depths, I can imagine Jesus for a second. Picture this with me if you can in your, in, in your mind's eye. Picture this. Jesus descended into the abyss. Can you imagine him seeing all the lost souls. Father. And the Bible says he preached to them. And can you imagine the party that was going on in heaven? We did it! We did it! All oh, Satan's little minions. Oh, that's right. That's a movie now. I forgot. Isn't it amazing how the devil just makes it look so comical, so acceptable? That's what the word minion, minion means is demon. Pastor, are you condemning me for going to the movie? No, go again. But that's what it means. He was in hell. The Bible says he bruised his heel. You know why? Because on his way out of hell... He gave the devil a left kick in the face. And you know what? For you, he rose from the grave. Now, that last one, Bob, he rose from the grave. Look at this. Look at this for a second. Look at this for a second. Michael, look at this. You know why he did that? That you can raise from the hell in your life. That you can raise from all that the devil will do, Jan. Jay, sorry. I started to call you Mr. Erler. That, folks, think about it for a second. He tasted death. And he said, death, you ain't going to have power over me. And you ain't going to have power over them. He defeated death, hell, in the grave. Can somebody in the house of God get excited this morning? Now let me tell you what the scriptures continue to say. Luke 12, he says, not a single sparrow is forgotten by me. He said, every hair on your head and those ones that have already fallen out. God has them numbered. 
And then look in your notes there. Circle this word, these words. Don't be afraid because you're worth a lot more than that. Romans 8 says, what shall we say to all these things? He just gave a whole litmus of the troubles and the difficulties and the situations and the circumstances. And he says, what shall we say in response to all this? If God is for me, who can be against me? Who can be? Well, you don't know what they say about me. Who can be against? Well, you don't know what part of the track I was running. Who can be again. Well, you don't know what the, the color of my eyes. Who can be? Well, well you don't know my nationality. You, who can be? Uh, well, you don't know my upbringing. Who can be against me if God is for me? Who? Well, you don't understand. Oh, get off your victim box. If God is for me, how can I be a victim in anything? I'm working on it. Look, look what he says. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for who? How will he not also? How will he not all also? graciously circle that word graciously in your notes you know what that means not through your ability or your power or your authority he said but through my power that is exceeding above anything you could ask or think i can do in and through you he said graciously i'll give you everything Man, I'm glad I come today. This is good preaching. Honey, will you take this? I left my phone in my pocket and it keeps vibrating. <laughs> it's just, I, yeah, it's not a, not a good thing. So let's accept these, these truths, folks. Let's accept these simple truths. God desires only the best for you and I. But understand, his best isn't your best. I want you to grab this thought. You know what we think is best? We think easy is best. I think we need to turn the air up. It's, it's, is it hot up here? Or is it hot out there? I see people fanning themselves. People are fanning themselves. Are you guys cold? Then turn it on up here because it is, it is hot up here. I'm just going to take my jacket off. That's what I'm going to do. Now, folks, when I take my jacket off, you don't know what time we're going to get out of here. Just kidding. Just get mad. People are getting nervous. Put that thing back on. <laughs> Understand, ladies and gentlemen, we have this problem. Uh, uh, two or three weeks ago, I preached about the 90%. The problem we have is with contentment. And a lot of times we think best is only best because it's easy, because it happened, because it's quick. Can I tell you something? That God's best is not necessarily our best. God's best is according to his plan for your life. A man by the name of Ruskin said, the highest reward for man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Can I tell you some of that mess that you and I go through? God's right there walking through it. Oh, God, get me out of it. Nope, you're going to be a whole lot better because of it. Just come on, walk around with me. 
God, you don't understand. God said, I do understand. Been there, done that. You want to see my closet? Not me, Jesus. Can I, can I tell you something? I like to look at life kind of as a baseball game. Now, I'm not a great sports fanatic. If you ever go to a baseball game or a football game or something, I'm liable to ask you, what are they doing? Not because I don't know the, the elements of it, but I don't know all the particulars of it. But can I tell you something? It's, it's, like, it's like God is, God is on, here, here, let's, let's call this home plate. Let's call this home plate. And then, then we'll stand up over there, would you? There's first base, okay? I'm trying to say who I have, the pretty one or the other one? Pastor Philemon, would you stand right there? Well, he's pretty to his wife, but he's not necessarily pretty. Stand right there, would you? Okay? Anthony, can you stand right there? And don't trip me all the way around. Okay. So we got home plate. We got first base. Second base. Third base. Okay? Now I need a young, virile person. Harmio, get over. Oh, yeah, Louis. Get over here, Louise. Get over here. Get over here, Luis. Come on. Now, I know they got these, 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 uh, base coaches. Is that what they call them? Now, the base coach is supposed to be watching for all the junk coming. Is that right? The base coach, I mean, if a ball gets out there and they miss it, okay, you're going to be the base, base coach. And you're going to, you're going to look and see there's all kinds of hell coming against me. I, I'm the, I'm the runner. I'm running this, this course of life. And there's all kinds of hell coming against me. But you can see that there's somebody on first base. I mean, on home plate. And you can see that you're his representative. Because today, you're Jesus. And from Jesus is going to take from first base, and he's going to run to second base. And then he's going to run to third base. And then he's going to run home. And me, the runner, the guy that's going through it all, watch what Jesus is saying. I come to first base, and it's a mess. But Jesus said, come on, come on, you can do it. And he runs. But you see, he doesn't run without me. You know, some of us are trying to get Jesus to do it for us. He don't run without us. He runs with us. And he doesn't keep us away from the bases. He doesn't keep us away from the muck and the mire on that road. But he said, hey, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And because I'm with you, who can be against you? So I'm over here and I, and, I, and I strike. Oh, I struck it good. But the devil, he don't want me to succeed. That ball is flying. And I'm running down here. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at all this junk. And I'm looking at the first baseman. And he's trying to stop me. And, and he's trying to do everything. And he's against me. But I see over his shoulder, Jesus is back there. And he's doing this. Come on. And he's running with me. And he says, come on. You can do it. And, and Jesus just takes me. And I'm going through all kinds of stuff. And, and Jesus is that second base. And he says what? And he says what? Come on. Come on. And I'm running through. And I'm making it through. And Jesus is going right there with me. I get a third base. I'm thinking, God, I can't make it. Jesus just does what? What's he doing? He goes, oh, come on. Come on. And then he goes, what? You know what? He doesn't say, slime. Where'd you go, Jesus? Jesus just left me. Jesus doesn't say, slide into first base. He said, I'm going to carry you home. I'm going to carry you home. Come on. Can somebody say amen? 
Come on, tell everybody thank you for doing that. The highest reward we get in life is not what happens to us, it's what we become. Can I tell you something? At our 10th anniversary, I bought my wife a new diamond for her, her ring. And I went out and, you know, I wanted to buy her 10 carats or 20 carats or 40 carats. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that's right. Carrots come in a bundle. We were at the wrong store. Thank you. But I, I got her a bigger diamond. And I, I did that because her and I had been through a lot together. We've got her whole life in front of us. Now, don't worry. Our 20th anniversary, sweetheart. I'm not sure we can do that. <laughs> but I did that. But you know something about this diamond? You know diamonds don't just appear. You know how a diamond becomes beautiful? Pressure. It becomes one of the most priceless gems in the world because it goes through more pressure than just about anything. You know that beautiful pearl? Anybody here wearing a pearl of any kind? You know those pearls? They find them in the mouth or in the confines of an oyster. Do you know why that pearl is developed? Because that Oyster is trying to get rid of an irritation. A piece of sand had gotten into its mouth. Or whatever they call that thing. And it puts this this stuff, this pearlescent stuff around it. And it grows. That 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 that, that uh, oyster said, I gotta deal with this, I gotta deal with this, I got and it becomes this beautiful great irritation causes the most valuable pearls. I look at our lives, and I wonder if I went through this thing, I could ask about all the struggles, the difficulties. And I can guarantee every one of you can, can say things that will make mine look like nothing. Why'd God allow that? Because you're a diamond. You're a pearl. Did you know the strongest storms? Or what caused the deepest roots? Let me take you into God's word. First Peter says these words. Greatly rejoice. For though for a little while. Circle those words, would you? A little while. You may have to go through all kinds of problems. But these have come. Circle that for me, please. These have come. Why? That your faith which is far more worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine. James 1, look what it says. Blessed, circle that word please, blessed. Another translation says happy. Another translation says, says wondrously content is the man who perseveres. Even though under the trial, 
for when he has stood. You see, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, please. We think the best is best because it's easy or because it's what we have. God says, I got so much for you. I got such a plan for you. Why do you settle? Why do you settle? One of the conversations my wife and I had before we got married. And, I, and it sounds a little, you know, defeatist, if you will, or even victim, if you will. But I said, honey, make sure you don't settle for me. Because every one of us think we're the best. But I wanted the best for her. And if I wasn't that, I was okay. Oh, no, I would not be a happy camper. But I really wanted the best for her. Now, she told me she didn't settle. And I'm listening to her words. But we settle for so much in this world just because it's what we have. It's where we're at. But he said, when you have stood... Only then will you receive the crown that he promised. And there's some of us that just, we just ain't content to stand. We want it done. Get it over with. I'm up. Yeah. Life is a journey that we walk through. It's not one we abide in. I love Abraham. The Bible says that he never built a house because he was on a journey. Looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. I'm going to take you real quick through the 23rd Psalm. There's only, you know, a half a dozen verses in the whole passage. It's just a, it's a wonderful psalm. It's one of the greatest encouraging hopes and guidance and directions in the matters of life. But I want to break it down for you. Just for a second, if I could this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Why are we content to follow anyone else? Why are we content to let the world tell us who we are, what we are? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That was always a quandary to me. Why does God have to make me lie down? Why does he have to make me stop and smell the flowers? Why does he have to make me? He leads me. Besides still quiet waters. Restores my soul. Guides me in paths of righteousness. Listen to this. For his name's sake. He does this because he says, you're all that in a bag of chips. He says, I'm putting my name on the line. And then he says these words. Even though I walk through the valley. Circle that word through. I've preached on it a thousand times and I've shared it a thousand times. Folks, he said, you're walking through this thing. You're not building a camp and staying. I'm walking through the valley. And the last time I saw a valley, it was between mountaintops. That means there's a victory waiting for me. And it's only a shadow of death. The last time I looked, a shadow of a boxer can't hit you. The shadow of a snake can't bite you. The shadow of nothing can't hurt you. And you can't have a shadow without a light. I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy, love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to teach. I taught probably, it's been three years ago that I I taught a Wednesday night. I, I go through the whole shepherd's psalm and I probably need to do that again. Uh, just, it's tremendous. But let me just break it down for you just for a moment here. Look what he says. He said, I shall not want. What is he talking about? He said, you shall have what you need. A lot of times God will even give us what we desire in matters of daily life. But what we want must be good for us and for God's plan for you. Can somebody say amen? Look at 2 Corinthians 1. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and through him who is the amen. It's all spoken. See, what God has promised, God will perform. Unlike the inconsistencies of man, God is faithful to do what he said. Look at the second thing. He makes me lie down. You know why I was thinking about that uh, years ago. I did a, an entire study on that. That's where that series on the shepherd's psalm comes out. And I realized many, many years ago, the shepherd's psalm is really three psalms, 22, 3, and 4. And it talks about the coming, the demise, and the victory of Christ. And I was going through that and, and, and looking at it and it's saying, God, okay, you make, why do you have to make he said, because people become content carrying the burdens they have. Even though they're not what I planned for them, they're not the burdens that I told them because once again, over in the book of Matthew, he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I just talked about it last week. When he says, I make him lie down, what he's literally say is, saying is he'll cause our spirit body, and soul, regardless of the outside situations, to learn to rest in Him, He will become the contentment, the comfort, and the peace because we realize He is our source and provision. Can you say amen? See, Isaiah 26 says, He will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him because we trust Him. The third thing we see here is he leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside. You see, the world, as we see, ladies and gentlemen, rages. But he said, in me, you can be still. It is when not only we know he is God, but that he is our God. That no thing that happens matters. Am I making sense today? He said, guys, gals, be content in me. See, Paul said, I've learned to have much and I've learned to have little. But in all of it, I'm content. Hebrews writes it this way in the 13th chapter. In such things as you have, be content. Well, I don't have enough to be content. That's not what he's talking about. Read the rest of the passage. 
He says, for it's written, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're running around that baseball diamond of life. God said, I'm running all the bases with you. The last thing that we see is he guides me in paths of righteousness. You see, a lot of people, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? God said, I'll guide you. Just rest in me. Remember, it is he who gave us righteousness. And it is he who will enable us to live in righteousness. Let me wrap this up this morning. God knows where you are, where you've been. And he said, if you'll trust me, I'll get you where you're going. I didn't have to worry about sliding into first or home plate. I didn't have to worry about any of the obstacles of the other plates. Why? Because I knew I was safe in his arms. Remember Job? How God put him on the spot. I mean, Job's just down minding his own business. Satan's looking around for something to do and said, have you considered my servant Job? Yet even then, even then, God still had to tell Satan what he could or couldn't do. Look, look, look at me. Look at me, please. Look at me. Where are you right now in your life? Where is Jesus now in your life? Where is he? Well, you know, I I got this one. Every once in a while. I mean, I shouldn't say this. Okay, I'll keep this one to myself. Folks, I don't have any of it. It's all in him. I got to trust that every piece of it's in him. And my life, I have to say, God, you're the center of it. You're the center of it. And when I do that, I know that nothing touches me, the father's child until it first touches this child's father. That's why he stepped out of eternity into time. In First John, he says, now you're the children of God. Though it may not seem that you're much of a child of God, now you are. It's not something we have to attain. It's not something we have to accomplish. It is entirely by His grace, His love, His goodness, His mercy, His choice. Even in ministry. We talked about the children's ministry. You know why a lot of people don't serve in the church? It's because they think it's going to become a black hole. Well, folks, in our church, we purpose diligently to get us in here more than out there. But the only way that really works is if everybody gets involved. Everybody does their part. Then you're in the ministry. You're actually doing something to where you're not in the sanctuary once a month, once six weeks, once every two months. If everybody just did their part, 
It's amazing how the Lord correlates us like a body. Could you imagine my arm jumping off my body and saying, I'm going to do my own thing for a while. So I'm walking around like this. My arm's over there flopping around saying, yeah, 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 I'm having fun. Oh, party, get down tonight. (laughs) And I'm looking up here and I'm thinking, boy, you look stupid. And I look in the mirror and say, yeah, you look stupid. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We're all part of this thing. God has developed some of the greatest character out of the least likely characters. Can somebody say, I know who you're talking about. And the good news, Romans 1 says this, that God tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. He makes us right in God's sight when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus to save us. Yes. As the worship team comes, there are going to be many deserts. There's going to be many mountains. There's going to be many mountains and valleys and on this path that we call life. But we have to keep in mind that we serve the one who takes us through the valleys, walks us over the mountains, and said, I'll turn the desert into a green pasture. I love this passage. Do not fear, Isaiah 41, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Is anybody getting encouraged yet today? All those who rage against you will be like nothing and and totally disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. You know what God says? He said, if you'll trust me, I'll make that thing as if it didn't even exist. But the thing I know... Is things happen in life. Things we did not plan. Things we did not want. But they still happen. That does not demean your value or your life. Folks, we can get a part become a part of all that is happening in the world today because we think well if I join this cause it'll make me something if I join that cause it'll make me something folks David stood before Goliath and the children of Israel and he said is there not a cause he wasn't talking about the causes of the world he was talking about the cause of Christ Is there not a reason, a purpose? What's behind us? I don't need somebody to tell me. If you've got situations in your life that didn't work out, it doesn't make you a bad person. You got circumstances that have caused you to fall short. It doesn't mean you've missed the mark. It just means life is full of stuff. But he is still God, church. 
And he said, I stepped out of eternity just because of you. Don't you think it's time that you step out of time and enter into his eternity, into his way of life? God didn't redeem you to blame you. He put all that blame on his son. He redeemed you to love you. And he still loves you. Every piece of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I want to take a moment this morning before we dismiss tonight. I want to ask you, where are you? There's a lot of stuff happening in the world, church. And for the next two or three weeks, I just want to talk about how God wants you and I to have peace. How God wants you and I to have victory. And not just have it, but to live in it, walk in it. Be bathed in it. Does that mean everything will change? Nope. But it means you will change means you will change. I want to open these altars in just a moment and I want to ask you, where are you? Where are you? Are you trying to fit in a mold? Are you trying to fit in this group or that group? Are you trying to stand for this cause or that cause? Are you trying to be part of this thing or that thing? Are you trying to measure up David just said, okay, Goliath, I'm down with you. Come on. Let's rumble. Think about the picture. David represented everything that probably was not good in the world. And Goliath represented every problem you'd ever face in the world. And David said, but I've got somebody on my side. And who do you think you are coming against my God? I think part of the thing is we've become content to settle. Thinking what we have is best. God says, you don't even have a clue what's best. I've got so much for you. Where are you at today? Where are you? I think think what I do know is that God will meet us right where we're at. God will meet us right where we're at. And he'll take us to where we need to be. And there is where he'll help us to learn how to get where he wants us to be. Amen. So I'm going to open these altars. Maybe that's you. You're not sitting, coming up here and saying, I'm a, I'm a messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm just horrible. I'm, I'm backslidden. No, you're just coming up and saying, God, I need you to meet me. Right here, right now. I need you to meet me. These altars are open. Would you come? You are God in heaven, and here am I on earth. God, I don't have a lot to say. My words are few, God, but this is the confidence that I have. I'm so in love with you.
maker of all love songs. Come on, church, sing it with me. Sing I want to bring to you, yeah, the simplest of all love songs. So I'll let my words please you. This is what keeps my life going, church. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm desperately in love with Him. And because of that, every day, no matter what I face, I stand in awe of you. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, I stand face to face with the Lord. I stand in awe, knowing that He is able to do all things in my life. What about yours? standing there that I can blame you did everything and you said father forgive them they don't know what they're doing so for me to take the offense and me to be offended or me to be the victim or me to be this all I'm telling is God you can't do it I gotta take care of it and I'm gonna live in this until I decide to change it that's not God's plan it's not God's best if that's you this morning you don't know Jesus and you know him one time but today you're not walking the way you used to walk with him it's time to let go it's time to let God these altars are open God we thank you
Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.